Welcome to our very last episode of the Shepherd's Psalm. We have gone through for 12 weeks now the Psalm 23, the Shepherd's Psalm, and we have used W. Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, as our guide. I hope that it has been tremendously beneficial to you. I hope that you have learned something as you've gone through this with us. Uh, I know I certainly have, as I have read Keller's book now uh, three times or so, uh, just to really dig into all the uniqueness, uh, unique things that he brings out as a shepherd, understanding this psalm. So let's begin, as we do each week, by reading Psalm 23 uh, in its entirety. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So today we are focusing on that very last line, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, Keller reminded us that when we first started this process, when we start, first started this analysis of Psalm 23, it begins with this powerful assertion, the Lord is my shepherd. God, the God of everything, the God of all creation, is our shepherd. He's our leader. He's our protector. He's our provider. And in this last verse, we have the statement that God, that we will dwell in God's house forever. There is such satisfaction in God's presence and with his care that we as his sheep have no need for anyone or anything other than him. There is something quite amazing and satisfying about the invitation and the position we have to dwell to abide, to remain present in the house of the Lord forever. We have to ask ourselves, with his level of care and concern and love, why in the world would we ever want to leave his presence? He does everything possible for us, preparing us and being present with us in times of danger and distress. He proves himself time and time again what a good shepherd he is. This psalm, Psalm 23, is a poem of love expressed from the sheep's point of view of how amazing our shepherd really is. And our good shepherd has given us everything we need so that we don't lack any good thing. He provides this quiet assurance needed so that we can lie down peacefully and unafraid. He takes us to places of nourishment and restores our soul when the cares of life bring us down. He leads us along the path so that we know He is always there for our protection because His name is on the line. He walks with us through the dark valleys of life, pulling us close to Him with His staff and protecting us from the enemy. He prepares places of rest where we can be fed and protected. 
His Holy Spirit protects us from spiritual parasites that desire to drive us crazy, which is why he anoints our head with oil. Now, in this last verse, we're promised that his goodness and his mercy will follow us. They will overtake us. They will overwhelm us and that we are enabled to dwell with him forever. Now, dwelling in his house forever, it's not referring to coming to church. Now, of course, you know, it is a blessing to dwell in God's presence with God's people and in a sanctuary for God. But remember that this entire psalm is written from the perspective of the sheep. This last sentence indicates that the shepherd has now brought the sheep off the mountain back to the fields and the shelters of home. He's led the flock full full circle, and he's provided for them and protected them every single step of the way. The sheep have followed the shepherd all the way back home, where they can now dwell with him without any wish to change flocks. These sheep are well taken care of. They're healthy in mind and body, and they are content. Now, this does not mean that everything in life goes the way we expect or the way we plan. We all know too well that life throws us any number of curveballs. Life rarely, if ever, goes the way we planned it. We should be thankful for these moments when we are stretched and challenged because it makes us stronger. It makes us more willing to step out in faith. It makes us more willing to trust him that he'll never abandon us. He'll never forsake us when we go through those difficult times. If you look at nature, fruit does not grow near the safety of the trunk of the tree. If you look for fruit, you will always find it growing out on the limb where it can be battered by the wind and the rain and heated up by the sun. It's the least safe place for a piece of delicate fruit, but that's where the fruit grows. Likewise for us, if we want to bear fruit for Christ, we've got to be willing to go out on a limb. Because only when we step out in faith will we see God produce the fruit in our lives because he wants to. Well, Keller told the story about how his neighbor had these sick and emaciated sheep. They would huddle together in hunger and neglect. All year long, they barely survived on poor pasture land and very minimal care. They were eaten up with parasites and disease, and they were all starving to death. And they would stand at the fence that bordered Keller's property, looking into that lush pasture, longing for the food and the care that those sheep received. Well, occasionally some would break through the fence or or crawl around it in order to liberate themselves from their neglect. They would immediately feast on feed, but to their own detriment. This feast of good food, when their bodies had dealt with severe neglect, could prove to be fatal for them. Their bodies just weren't used to it. One time he carried three sheep that had done just this and carried them in a wheelbarrow back to their owner. This owner pulled out a sharp knife and slit the throats of these three sheep. They were neglected 
and poorly cared for. And when they snuck out of their pasture into someone else's pasture, it did them no good, and their owner killed them on the spot. Now, Keller reminds us of Jesus' statement that he is the door, he is the gate with which the sheep enter. Any sheep that does not enter through him doesn't belong to him and won't make it. If you remember the parable about the wedding banquet, Jesus focuses on a man who is there at the wedding banquet who is not wearing proper wedding attire. He's not wearing the right robe, the right garment. He's at the right place, but wearing the wrong thing. Jesus makes a big deal about this, and it's a little confusing for us to understand because the man is thrown out of the banquet into utter darkness because his clothes proved he did not belong. Well, why were the clothes so important? Because the Bible tells us that in Christ, he is our righteousness, and we are clothed in that righteousness. So if we're trying to get into heaven without being clothed in his righteousness, we demonstrate that we're really trying to sneak our way in through other methods, and that just will not work. Anyone who tries to get into heaven through their own righteousness will discover it is a fruitless endeavor. It will never work. So, sheep must enter the good shepherd's pasture through the proper gate. He can assess each sheep and what it needs to heal from the wounds of its previous shepherd, the devil. He can prescribe the perfect kind of food to nourish that sheep back to physical, emotional, mental, relational, and spiritual health. But we come under that level of examination only by entering through the right gate, and Jesus is the gate. Well, Keller concluded his thoughts in this chapter by bringing up the point that not only is the Good Shepherd ever present with us, but that our desire should be to dwell with him as well. It should never be a one-sided relationship with God desiring relationship with us while we're oblivious or without a desire for the same. We should want to be in full view of our shepherd at all times. That means, though, that all of our actions, our thoughts, and our motivations are in full view of his examination as well. And that should be a delight to us because he is helping us become more and more like him. In his presence, there is security through the storms of life. There is provision. There is protection. There is peace in his presence. The storms come to everyone, but he's the one who fights our battles and calms the storms for us. In his presence, we may not have everything we want or thought we would have, but when we're fully surrendered to him, we have everything that he wants for us, and we are satisfied and content. I believe Paul wrote the answer to the question, what is the meaning of life, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, when he wrote to his protege, Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. If you choose to live a godly life, and you are content with what God has given you, it will be a life well lived. You will be satisfied. 
Well, friends, that concludes the Shepherd Psalm. That concludes uh, this book and our study of this book. This also concludes my time as senior pastor at Friendship Church. It has been an honor and a joy to walk through some of these studies with you, and we hope that they have been a blessing to you. Uh, be praying for Friendship Church as they move forward in the future with a new pastor, a new vision, um, and uh, we just encourage you continue praying for our church, continue praying for us as we step into Army Chaplaincy, pray for the next pastor, because we believe great things are ahead for Friendship Church. So God bless you. Thank you for joining us in this journey as we look into Psalm 23, and we'll see you, we'll see you later.